0: Hey everybody it's the mpg real estate show i'm your host josh mosler this week i got don callahan from the callahan team how you doing don i'm doing great <laughs> thanks for coming on yeah good to be here um so your team is uh i didn't realize it was only seven people you guys do a lot here for only seven people we do a lot it's pretty crazy your name's everywhere
1: yeah, yeah we do a lot
0: uh, is it um intentionally small like you want to keep it that way
1: yeah, I um, I know a lot of agents uh, like to have an army of people working with them and it's not anything I ever, I, I didn't really get into the industry to manage a bunch of people. Uh, for me, I feel like it's uh, just having, you know, a good group of solid people that are working really hard that are rewarded well. And uh, we've been able to keep it to a limited amount of people and everybody does a tremendous amount of production. We're all pushed to the limit. And we actually recently brought in some uh, virtual assistants to help us so that we can continue without bringing new new agents on.
0: That's smart. I know a lot of people in the industry seem to be moving towards that like virtual assistant yeah. thing. It seems really big in real estate, especially. Yeah. But I think a lot of people would be surprised to hear you only had seven people. I was like, when you said that, I was yeah. like, wow, that's... Well, we're actually eight now. Oh, eight now. Yeah, okay, so let's we're. not... <laughs> My bad. Um, anyway, so first question, classic question I ask everybody. What's the trajectory? Turn 18... What's the trajectory kind of from then till right now?
1: Well, I'll try to give you the short version of it. Um, as a kid, I was an equestrian, and I, as an adult, thought I would train horses. And I did that for a few years and realized that training horses and riding and showing horses were two different things, and it <laughs> it kind of took the joy out of it. So I uh, stopped training, and um, I wound up moving into New York City. I cont- continued to ride for a while, but um, I lived in New York City for... 10 years and uh loved it uh, you yeah, know this was uh 80s and um it was a lot of fun <laughs> a whole lot of fun so, yeah uh New York City for 10 years then I moved to Key West Florida
0: okay um, what were yeah. you doing in New York like and did you go to school at all in that time or
1: you know I didn't go to school had no college at all and um in New York I had a very interesting job I like to think I had the best job in New York City I uh, worked for a children's clothing store on Madison Avenue, super high-end, and um, I worked for these three sisters that had a business plan that they followed, and they had a group of people, their team as they called it, uh, of people that served an unbelievable amount of clients that were high-end stars and so on, Um, and I dressed kids for a living in New York City. What? That's crazy. It was amazing. It was an amazing job.
0: (laughs) That's a really unique job. I don't know if I've ever heard anybody give that answer before. You know,
1: I, I, I say that, it's hard to understand why that would be an interesting job and amazing, but um, you, you actually earned the right to uh, dress kids. You were an assistant, and there were different rooms for different ages. And uh, what was so interesting about it is that as you got to be the dresser or the, the salesperson, the front salesperson, you had three people behind you that helped you as assistants and when uh, it was often nannies that came in or house managers or nurses to dress the kids and i dressed some of the stars children um, i would pull out everything that that kid needed and my bosses as three sisters would audit the clothes as they went down you knew what school they went to you knew what size they were you knew what outfits they needed for gym uh, what was you know fashionable for fashion if they had any other sports activities Every outfit had socks, a belt, a sweater, a vest, a jacket, a coat. So every single outfit had something different to it, and we would, and this is again in the nineteen eighties. We would send people out with three, four, five thousand dollars worth of a, a wardrobe for a season for a child.
0: Oh my. God, that's insane. And I
1: worked on commission So that's the beginning of my real estate <laughs>
0: <laughs> So when you left there and went to Key West, is mm-hmm. that what you did in Key West? And were you, would you go right into no, real estate in Key West or what were you doing in Key neither. West?
1: Neither. Well, I, I worked in uh, real estate in Key West in a different capacity. I um, worked for. Uh, uh, some people that own vacation rentals Okay. And I was like the concierge For their guests And when people uh, checked in I would check them in I would get them bicycles I would get, rent them a car Set them up to go out on uh, excursions um, i managed manage the houses The cleaning people The repairs All that sort of stuff
0: So I mean that's a great niche To be in in Key West it I mean you must have been really busy <laughs> and, Yeah uh,
1: You know I didn't have very many clients But I did love it It was a really great niche And it was uh, an enjoyable job for me
0: What year would that have been?
1: That was 1992 through uh, 97, 8 when I moved here.
0: So pre-internet. Pre-internet. So how would you, how did people in, I feel like, the internet has supercharged the short-term rental vacation rental market sure. so kind of what how did you find clients before like how would you advertise that to Well I
1: didn't do the bookings. Okay. Uh, but how they found clients I imagine there were just a few rental management companies you'd call the office and it
0: Okay, so it was just like you know in the phone book had. or whatever and
1: I yeah, I'm pretty sure that, it was, that was it. Or okay. repeat clients.
0: Okay, I got you. Okay. So they were all high, were they all high end or No. Oh, okay. Just like regular, just regular run-of-the-mill apartments. Oh,
1: okay. One of them was a studio. You know, one of them was a house.
0: And then you stopped doing that?
1: I Well, you talk about it, there was no internet. So there I was living um, in Key West, for four hours away from Miami, the next biggest town. And I was coupled for the first time in my adult life um, and looking to kind of, you know, just settle in more. And... I realized I couldn't afford a house in Key West and I couldn't even find anything to furnish it with unless I wanted to buy it from Sears Roebuck in Key West. (laughs) Uh, Now, I was just getting tired of living there. My partner was also at a point in his life that we kind of wanted to settle down and thought we'd move somewhere coastal in Florida. And uh, that didn't happen. We found and stumbled upon Savannah, Georgia.
0: Okay, so you guys both move up here.
1: Moved up here, and um, almost immediately, I started in real estate. Just, uh, you know, I mean, people have asked me in the past why. I I don't know. I think that I well, I I was obsessed with Savannah, obsessed with uh, architecture, obsessed with the city. I thought it was absolutely one of the most beautiful places I'd ever been. And I would traveled around the world and um, I didn't expect that I would live in a place this beautiful. So after going through the purchasing process, I thought, well, I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do. We moved here with the intention of opening up a uh, cafe. And, you know, in Key West, we had scooters and so on. So we brought all the scooters up and thought, we're going to have a delivery business in Savannah, Georgia. We're going to kill it. We're going to have healthful food. And we're going to deliver it to people's front door on our little scooters. And I'm so grateful that didn't happen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what kind of pushed you into real estate then? Was there like a moment when do you remember it or was it just kind of like gradually well, happened and fell into it? I, um,
1: you know, I, like I said, I just became obsessed with it and took the course. And okay. after I took the course, uh, you know, the, 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 the process is that you have to hang your license with a broker. And... Um, I had been following real estate in Savannah and there was one brokerage firm that had a lot of the listings that I was mostly interested in, um, historic property that was derelict, (laughs) what I'm drawn to. Um, so I, uh, um, I went and talked to that broker and uh, started working with him and, uh, I hit the ground running.
0: So in that, and that would have been 98 ish. Yeah. So Uh, how long was it that you worked under him before you kind of got on your own?
1: Well, I, basically was on my own right from the beginning the okay bro- the broker gave me some pointers and direction but um, you know not a whole lot more than that you know that's kind of how real estate is you yeah just, uh, <laughs> it's up to you
0: it's very independent yeah it's a, it's a unique like that yeah, yeah. Um, but how long before you like uh, became your own broker and then started your own brokerage
1: well um, I don't have any of that. That's not my trajectory. My trajectory as a salesperson, I've always been in the sales end of it.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So um, immediately after getting my real estate license, I um, uh, thought, how am I going to get clients? How am I going to start selling real estate? And that's really what I cared the most about. And uh, it was an interesting time. Uh, today, we refer to it as uh, creative financing. But there was, uh, there were a lot of loan programs out there that people could purchase a house and get money at closing to rehab the house. So I, um, you know, and this is sort of my path uh, for the 22, 23 years I've been in real estate. I've always been a connector with people. And I was super intentional about going out and meeting people. And um, conversation would also often go to real estate. And um, I would just introduce to people, I can find your house, I could sell it to you, you put no money down, you'll walk away with money, you can rehab it, and I will help you make a fortune.
0: It sounds like too good to be true, you know, I mean, that's the that's beautiful it, it thing really, about real estate. But, well, it's yeah.
1: too good to be, be yeah. true today, you can't <laughs> yeah. do that today. Yeah. But, um, so... I don't really, I never uh, did figure out how many uh, uh, homes I sold that April through the end of that first year. But my first full year in real estate, I sold 40 homes. Whoa. Yeah. Um, and then my second real estate, uh, my second year in real estate, I sold 55 homes. Wow. So I was really, um, yeah. You're I, I was crushing it. I was <laughs> killing it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so then when did team, was team Callahan a thing from the beginning then? Or Not when really. Did... No,
1: I didn't have any structure. I, um, I, I have always uh, known what my strength, where my strengths are. And I hired an assistant almost right out the gate. Um, I've always had somebody that helped me. Um, and, uh, probably by my third full year in real estate, I had in, in addition to one full-time assistant, I had a, an agent that helped me with uh, overflow of uh, inquiries and leads.
0: Okay, and then that's kind of where Team Callahan kind of was born.
1: Uh, not even actually, because I stumbled <laughs> through. I stumbled through real estate like that, just you know, taking as much as I possibly could. My uh, my last few years before I officially formed Team Callahan, I was selling close to a hundred houses a year.
0: With um, just you and that just one me, other agent. not the other eight, oh, not including just their production, just wow. my production.
1: That's crazy. So yeah, it was crazy, and it wasn't a quality of life that I was really thrilled with anymore. I, I quickly got tired of that. Um, I had a couple assistants, I had a couple people in the office helping me, um, but it didn't really make it any easier. If people are in town, want to look at real estate, I was the one that was showing it to them. Right. Um, and uh, I guess it was thirteen. 2007 about 2007 where i more formally structured a team
0: okay um, I also read, right in the height of the yes <laughs> great time <laughs>
1: actually it was a great time because i'll tell you what came out of that is you know the, the, uh, talking about the market shift in 08 but what came out of that is i at, uh, at least had enough of a uh, uh, n- enough structure that i knew what was working And I knew what I had to do to keep these other people working as well. So it really motivated me instead of, you know, uh, resting on my laurels, the market stinks and I'm not gonna, you know, get my fair share of it. It was quite the opposite. Uh, I've got these other people to feed and I've gotta make sure that I get more than my fair share. I've gotta take, uh, you know, more market share than I have now already. Right, right. So I, um, I uh, again, started, uh, but in this, uh, this case, it was with uh, an assistant, and then I started to structure it more with a buyer agent that worked for me instead of me referring the business to a buyer agent. Because okay. previously, the buyer agent that I had, and that's why I didn't count her production, um, she just took inquiries that I wasn't able to service. Okay. So, and you know, they were all inquiries from me, and she gave me a small percentage. Um, But in 2007, it was different where they actually were working on the team. It was intentional that I was uh, doing the uh, lead generation efforts to get the inquiries, um, turn them over to her. And in uh, most cases, they weren't people that were even asking for me. They were just people looking to buy a house. Um, So I was much more intentional. I was getting a whole lot more business. And between us, we started to grow a business. And that shift in the market for me was... uh, a pretty remarkable time. I, uh, I, I, I think I used the term, uh, took market share. Uh, my business uh, just really soared. Really? Yeah, it was an unfortunate time for so many people. But you know, I've always been of the mindset that the best service I can offer somebody is an accurate analysis of what it is that I know about the real estate market, so they can then make a decision. Uh, whatever it is it that they want to do, whether it 's to purchase or to sell a house, so with this big shift in the market, a lot of people needed and wanted to sell, um, but many real estate agents didn't have the knowledge of what was going on didn't have the language to tell people, despite the fact that you paid three hundred thousand dollars for your house. I think we should list it at two twenty five it's a hard conversation to have oh
0: yeah, it's very hard.
1: But you know, um, I was uh, very willing to be honest, and I would you know sit down and tell people. I hope that you're okay hearing the truth, because if that's the case, then you know we're here in this room for me to deliver the news to you, and what you do with it is your decision. So was that
0: upsetting a lot of people, or did people take it pretty good usually?
1: You know, it uh, it did upset people, but uh, most of them did take it pretty good, and they certainly didn't take it out on me because I wasn't responsible for the market, and I knew that. In my heart, and sometimes I'd have to have you know a little bit of prayer and meditation to reflect on that, <laughs> going into an appointment or walking out, you know, because of how people uh, reacted. But yeah. uh, but I you know, I knew it wasn't it had nothing to do with me, and I really knew that people needed to know that it was unfortunate. I'd watch other agents you know stick a shingle in the ground and list it at the price that you know that the uh, the the homeowner paid for it plus a few dollars because they wanted to please that individual, and it would come back around to me, you know, six yeah. months later when the listing expired. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, was not, it, was not, it was not a fun time, especially for sellers. And I had many sellers that had to bring a lot of money to closings, but they were grateful to be able to sell their houses.
0: At least get rid of that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, did you do any – so I know you own some investments around town too, right? Yeah. Did you? which point did you start investing? Were you investing right from the beginning, or did that start when the market took a downturn?
1: Right from the beginning.
0: Right from the beginning. Yeah,
1: my first year in real estate, I bought uh, two investment properties, and I, at that time, I had uh, a naive mindset. I'll buy as much as the bank will allow me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, when I came across things that uh, were you know good investments that fit in my criteria at that time, I, I wanted um, uh, rental property, you know, long term leases, yeah. and um, I I wanted brick, um, and I wanted multifamily. I didn't really care as much about single family. And I uh, accumulated some single families along the way. I wound up with a lot of multifamilies. And um, yeah, I've always done that. My partner also buys, renovates, and sells. Uh, just a, you know, at a low level, he does one or two houses a year. He's probably done twenty houses, twenty-five houses in the twenty years we're here.
0: Okay, so you guys are both kind of in real estate, at least a little bit. He dabbles a little bit. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, he does that, you know, uh, uh, rehab for resale. And he also does um, uh, vacation rental.
0: Oh, okay. The vacation rental thing is really interesting. People make a lot, make, people do very well there yeah. in the vacation rentals. Yeah, you can. So, sure. with your vacation rental background, like, have you, so, like, you, if you, some of these multifamilies, have you turned into vacation rentals at all or you pretty much oh all long term? Not
1: the multifamily. Vacation rental, really, you're going to do your you're gonna do best with vacation rental in a premium location. So we, uh, at, at one point in time, we were doing some vacation rental and some executive rentals. Executive rentals are more of a 31-day or more stay, fully furnished. All utilities are there, and it could be somebody that's coming for the movie industry mm-hmm. uh, to work uh, in, in some other capacity. Or sometimes uh, we get northerners that will come down for the winter months. Uh, we dabbled in that for a while, and uh, personally, uh, I, have, I have to choose my line of business and it's real estate sales so i don't do any of that and he didn't have as much interest in that as i did but without him managing it i i I wasn't going to take it on because i know that i i know where my ceiling is so i've got got a lane and i stay in (laughs) has
0: that always been like that like or did you have to learn that through time
1: um where does
0: that focus come from do you feel like is that something you were born with or something you've developed
1: i think it i think it's something i probably did develop you know like i mentioned i was an equestrian and i was super focused i had a goal i I wanted to accomplish and i did Um, and it uh, i was probably uh, at a bit of a disadvantage you know it's an industry where a lot of uh, children have very expensive horses and lots of grooms and (laughs) coaches and trainers around them that their parents pay a whole lot of money for it. My parents didn't have that kind of money, but they supported me and were behind me, you know, the, the whole time. But it took a lot of a lot more energy and effort for me. So, you know, I mean, I was an athlete in the sense that you know I trained 363 days a year. I mean, Thanksgiving and Christmas were my mom's like, "You're not going to the day. <laughs> but short of that, I was on as many horses as I could ride every day.
0: Do you still ride horses?
1: I did. Uh, my horse died a couple years ago. I think it's two years this past summer. Oh, I'm and uh, I, I'm at the, an age now that I decided I was just going <laughs> to hang it up. Gonna let that rest for now. Because <laughs> I can still ride, but I can't fall off anymore. And that's really where I get worried.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, if you fall off, like it's, yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, every equestrian is going to have their time that they fall.
0: <laughs> so I don't want it anymore. Have you fallen countless times? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Well,
1: especially when I was younger. Yeah. As an adult, I've been much more careful. I actually stopped jumping ten years ago because I was just I fell off one time too many. I was like, "All right, that's enough. I'm done." So you
0: were still doing it up till ten years ago.
1: Oh goodness, yeah. Wow, oh yeah, that's
0: crazy. Is there? I don't know that much about equestrian. I don't know that much about riding horses and showing all that stuff. Is there a pretty big market for that here in Savannah? Like, is there a lot of people that do it?
1: I also don't know a lot about it. I okay. A, <laughs> you know, when I moved to Savannah, it was completely different for me. It wasn't about showing. It wasn't about anybody else. It was just about me and my horse. And uh, so my horse got older and to the point, obviously, he died a couple of years ago. He was 32 years old when he died. That's Actually, crazy. he was 33. Uh, a is month that normal of, for a horse? No. <laughs> well,
0: how old does a horse normally live?
1: Maybe 15. What? 15, 18, 20 is a really old horse.
0: Yeah. And yours lived to be 33 yeah
1: so you know i mean uh, I, I i i would go to the stable and sometimes just groom them and hand walk them and i didn't care just to be around them was was good for me i didn't need to be up on them and that's i certainly didn't need to be jumping jumps <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's insane though 33 yeah and normal is 15 to 20 mm-hmm. what do you think it counts for that why just because well, you took such, you think because you cared about him so much. He,
1: well, I mean, I didn't have him all that time. He was owned by a woman that did take really great care of him. He was a um, a pretty well known show horse in his younger day, and he had a chiropractor and uh, a chiropractor. Oh yeah, he I, you know, <laughs> he was spoiled. He was all the things that I didn't have for my horse when I was a kid. <laughs> That's awesome. But I, I shouldn't say spoiled. He was very well taken care of his whole life, and uh, he was a healthy horse.
0: That's really cool. I don't know if I've met that many people that have been into that. So that's pretty, it's unique. It's awesome, though. I mean, and especially yeah. living at 33, that's pretty crazy.
1: But that, I think that that, uh, that really uh, taught me at an early age uh, the importance of focus. And, uh, you know, I, um, I, I still to this day, I constantly am breaking down even the tasks that I'm doing. You know, what could I and should I be doing? And what could somebody else do here? that would free me up to do other things.
0: So you're constantly thinking about that
1: constantly. But I mean, I do that on a daily basis with the tasks in front of me.
0: How much time do you like, does it cause it takes time to do that obviously. Right? Yeah. Like, so how much time are you spending like breaking down your tasks to figure out?
1: So I'm a big planner. Um, you know, a little backstory I'm going to mention uh, when we sat down, I, I talked about, uh, we, we, we touched on a little bit about most real estate agents and, uh, There are, in my opinion, two different types of personalities uh, for real estate agents. And there are those that are uh, much more outgoing and gregarious in the life of the party, and they do really well with buyers. And then there are those that are much more of a planning type of personality, that typically will do better with focus and marketing and representation for sellers. And I recognized really early on that that was the that was the angle. That I did best at, and I'd say probably 15 years ago, that was where my primary focus was. And f- since uh, uh, I've been with Keller Williams, which is 14 years now, that has been my focus. I I almost exclusively work with sellers. It's very rare that I work with a buyer. Okay. So the the point there being that so I I'm very very uh, focused on what I do on a daily basis. There's a great book called. Uh, Uh, the one thing. I
0: was going to bring that up. Yeah, the one thing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And uh, the the tagline is, uh, what's the single one thing and such that by doing so, all other things will not matter or matter less or something to that effect. Yeah. And I mean, that's like it. That's like my Bible. So in the mornings, um, I sit down and I uh, reflect on and and plan uh, what my day uh, includes. And uh, so I call it prep. Um, so in my preparation, I'm uh, lining up who I'm going to be talking to because uh, I spend two and a half hours every day on the telephone, outbound calls. And it's, every it's, day. Every day. Just like uh, clockwork. Wednesdays are a little bit difficult because I do have a team and I help uh, yeah. mentoring and coaching on Wednesday. But other than that, I mean, that's, that's my work. I've, I'm a real firm believer that servicing business comes after generating business. And it's been the difference in ordinary and extraordinary. That's the difference in me doing, you know, a few dozen transactions and over 100 transactions in a, on a yearly basis, you know, it's a, it's all about just staying on top of bringing in, new, in new business.
0: So when you do like outbound calls, like are you doing follow ups? Are you trying to get, um, you know, fresh cold calls? Like what is you know, who are you calling? I guess?
1: Um, I've got a huge database. Okay. Uh, uh, most of the time. I um, it's uh, within my database. So, on my team, I've got some administrative people that are working, uh, their full time job is looking for opportunities to engage with our database. We've got several thousand people in there. So, we have a lot of giveaways. We uh, do a lot of giving back. Um, and with the giving back, we invite our uh, people in our database to help us. So, there's always these opportunities to call people, and it could be like now we're during our Thanksgiving pie giveaway, uh, and we give away more pies than most other real estate agents. Like my coach coaches the top people in the country. And every year he's like, okay, you doubled the next time. <laughs> I mean, we, we do a good job at it. But what, what we're doing with this is uh, it's not just about engaging with the database, but it's engaging in, in, in rich conversations. Um, I want people to think, whenever they think of real estate, I want them to think of me. But when I call them, I don't want them to think I'm calling them for real estate every time. So that's really an art. It really is planning, and which is part of the prep planning and then uh, role playing, understanding what that conversation is. And, um, and then you know, sitting down and dialing. Uh, So with this pie giveaway, I fell behind last week, because I had some other things that I was uh, doing. And I had to spend not had to but I do because of my commitment. Um, I spent two and a half hours yesterday, uh, following up uh, because I had another hundred and sixty calls to make
0: so that's pretty smart so like um, and I want to get into this a little bit but it seems like giving back is a huge part of your guys's mm-hmm. of your team's operation right yeah
1: it's um, our tagline
0: it's sell, yeah, it's sell
1: houses have fun give back that's the yeah. short version of who we are okay I mean, real estate is it but <laughs> having fun I mean like so we are all about you know just doing what we can do to just you know keep uh, each other invigorated throughout the day and um, you know, throughout our, our lives, like everybody on my team, I really care about them. Um, and then the giving back component—I've always been uh, uh, big with that. But my business partner Laura Hyatt has uh, really taken that to another level. We are forming uh, Team Callahan Care as a not-for-profit. Oh, uh, really? Arm. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. I not I
1: mean, this is our community, and we just feel like it's—you uh, know—what better you know, place to help in our own community? So.
0: It's cool though that you kind of can use that and kill two birds with one stone to keep yourself in your client's mind. Right. Right. Sure. So that's pretty smart. I would say, you know, it's utilizing yeah. all your resources to the best of your ability. Like, and it's helping because if they donate, it's, I mean, it's great. Yeah. And, and so was that intentional, I'm guessing?
1: To some degree, Uh, you know, I mean, I always gave back and you know, as a real estate agent you get a a phone call a week or 2 a week uh, from, you know, the local school that wants you to support the PTA and I was always writing checks for all this stuff. Uh, 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 But when I really got intentional and started uh, with my business plan identifying who are the core people that or businesses or entities uh, organizations that we want to support when I started focusing on that um, it made it much clearer for us. And uh, so uh, we um, identified, uh, well, there are a lot more, but we've got five on an annual basis that everybody on my team votes for. And it's, it's kind of diverse, um, but we vote each year to make sure we want to keep the individual uh, organization in. And there's nothing wrong when we switch. Like uh, pets, for instance, we've done a pet rescue. Um, you know, we always have a pet rescue as part of it but we've rotated out. We're probably on our third pet rescue, you know, just because, well, what about this one? They're great people too. Fine, let's shake it up and do them this year. And we allow our clients to choose one of those five organizations to give back. So after every closing, we uh, give our clients a a card that has a little summary of the different organizations that we support and, and why. And we ask them to choose one and we'll write a check to that organization.
0: So every closing a percentage of the proceeds are going to... Correct. Wow, that's really smart. Yeah. That's awesome. So it gives them an opportunity to be involved as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you you hear people say, like, uh, I'm doing an open house and bring food for, you know, humane society. Yeah. It's the same thing, but we're taking it to another level where we are allowing people to engage in that process, um, but we're also directly uh, 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 supporting... Uh, the organizations the, the primary ones. And then, the, you know, we do also support beyond that, the place yeah. that we just have to check for. but
0: Yeah, I actually did see. So I was doing a little bit of research for the website, and I saw, like, at the top, I'm guessing the ones that are at the top are your top five. Then I noticed all these lesser ones are, you know, yeah. smaller font down the line, mm-hmm. down the rest of the page. And so that's what you're talking about is the secondary. Yeah organizations that you support. How do you support like the secondary organizations? Well, money
1: to sure? uh, money is what the, most of them are looking for, but we, uh, you know, we're a powerful group of people. Like everybody that works on the team as a spouse and they, they all come from, I mean, their heart really is in, uh, in being a part of the community. So we have a lot of uh, energy and manpower that we can uh, uh, you know, offer for organizations as well. So we do go out and support organizations uh, if we can do, you know, boots on the ground sort of work.
0: That's awesome, just giving back to the community that gave so much to you guys, mm-hmm. kind of a thing.
1: We, um, uh, the first Friday of every month, we walk the streets, and we invite clients to join us, and we clean uh, the streets in uh, the area around our office. We do about uh, well, from 40th Street in Baldwin Park all the way to Duran Avenue, and we do that rotation. Uh, we actually hit it uh, probably two times a year that we do that rotation every street down the side streets as well.
0: You go uh, all the way down.
1: Uh, we go from Bull Street to Waters Avenue and the Parkside community, and we hit about five or six blocks the first Friday of each month. Um, and it's everybody on my team, often their spouses, and any clients that want to join us or friends.
0: That's awesome. What made yeah. you think of that? Like, when did, when did that start? <laughs> Halloween <laughs>
1: after Halloween with candy wrappers everywhere about five years ago <laughs> and you guys just got the idea and you're like why don't like, we let's just go out and clean. well you know, different neighborhoods have it and we were doing it with neighborhoods but um, you know the neighborhoods that have the most engagement to walk the streets and pick up trash are the ones that probably need it the least Right. Yeah, so that's what we decided well let's just you know, get the other blocks as well so we just map it out and uh, again I'm really big on consistency Um, And I also like to add on. So the first Friday of each month, we do that. And since we're all together, we all go back to the office. And our support staff has produced a list for us. And we all power prospect. Uh, We spend a couple hours uh, making outbound phone calls. And the team feeds us. And we just smile and dial all day long. And it's usually giving something away. We we do a giveaway uh, pretty frequently.
0: Okay. So you just continue that kind of giving through the rest of the day as yeah. like a team
1: and and that's an opportunity that we're engaging with people in conversation that you know uh, you'd be surprised at how often uh, i mean you're a real estate agent and you're calling people that people are like hey my neighbor's getting their house ready for the market and i don't know if they've got an agent or not but you might want to call them and, uh, and we walk away from those uh, those uh, marathons if you will with uh, names and numbers of people to call
0: that's awesome two birds with one stone <laughs> <laughs> so kind of switching gears going back, I, um, I want to get back in a little bit more into like your investing kind of what you've done. So the first property you bought, what was it? Can you break it down? Do you know? A that? brick duplex. A brick duplex. Mm-hmm. And how much, do you remember how much you got off for? Of? I
1: remember it all. A uh, client of mine had it under contract for $25,000. <laughs> and my partner brought it to my attention because he would thumb through the MLS books. This is before internet. And he said, I want to buy this. And I said, Oh, that's too bad because I just put it under contract for Scott, this client of mine. So he wasn't pleased and uh, you know, maybe a day later, I don't remember the exact uh the, the time frame, he said, Tell him I'll offer him thirty five thousand, ten thousand more than he was <laughs> buying it for. <before. laughs> I did and he he said, Great. Let's do it. Bring on the money. So uh, we went and bought it. And we didn't have a lot of money. Um, that was our other than, well, our primary residence, we didn't have a mortgage on. So he went to a bank and the banker said, well, I don't know if I can do anything. You don't have a lot of money to put down and you don't have a lot of uh, history and real estate in Savannah. Um, and I just remember the two of us sat there and we looked at each other. And well, actually, this is a funny story. It comes back around here. And uh, we looked at each other and said, we'll take our business elsewhere. <laughs> like, like we knew what the heck we were doing. <laughs> and we came to this complex on the other side.
0: Wait, just over there here used off? to
1: be a mortgage company over there. Uh, that's now a big mortgage company, and the girl that had it was uh, is still uh, really big in real in mortgage lending in Savannah, and um, uh, her name is Christy. And we sat with Christy, and she said, "We'll figure it out." And sure enough, we did, and uh, we got to a closing table, and a month later, we did the same thing.
0: Uh, wow! <laughs> yeah. So you bought your first duplex brick. Where was it? What neighborhood? Uh,
1: in baldwin park okay so that 's
0: so that 's taken a little bit to to mature, but it 's definitely mature now baldwin yeah. park's great,
1: yeah, twenty years ago, it was a little edgy
0: yeah that 's what i 've heard that whole well Baldwin park all the way through um Live Oak was rough back in the day, right yeah. um how much what were the rents on that like when you first got so you picked oh, up for thirty
1: five um, well, the unfortunate thing with well, not really unfortunate because we uh it worked out well for us. Uh, there was a woman that lived in one of the apartments named Miss Rachel who paid $115 a month. And we could not see uh, moving her out, so she stayed there for 15 years. Whoa. The whole, <laughs> yeah, the 15 years that we owned it. We actually, her apartment was deplorable, it was absolutely horrible. So, we had renovated only one side, and the other side was roach infested, and we couldn't keep the roaches out of the other side, so we moved her to the renovated apartment several years later, and then renovated her side so we could get more money coming in. I mean, we only had, we only bought it for $35,000, so it yeah. wasn't like, you know, we were giving away the farm to keep Miss Rachel living in some place, but there was, you know, nowhere else that she could really go. And then so we I- moved her to Rosa Sharon, and, uh, um, raise the rent on the other side and thought we're going to strike gold here and sell the place now. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think we sold it for like 125 <laughs> Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> have you? Is that the only one you've sold or have you sold a bunch of them?
1: No. Um, in 2007, 2008, um, I had a sense that the uh, market was shifting. And, um, uh, you know, I was starting to, again, I'm, I'm a real numbers guy, I'm a real geek uh, I super focused and I was seeing that the inventory was increasing, you know, and, and every area, every price range as I, I do these absorption rate studies, it's like, Oh, not too much is selling and a whole lot's going on the market. And it just kept happening. So we decided we'd get rid of anything and everything that was, uh, uh, just like not making us a bunch of money or required a lot of work. And, uh, we sold, uh, Quite a bit of property. And uh, the unfortunate thing is I didn't plan for taxes with that. It wasn't fun. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I (laughs) bet. But we sold sold a lot of property in 07, 08, and 09. And we wound up keeping like uh, 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 10 pieces maybe.
0: And then have you bought back since then? Yeah. Okay, so like were you buying? I'm always on
1: the lookout for a good investment, if it makes sense.
0: How many units do you have now, do you mind me asking? I
1: have... um... 17 apartments
0: okay
1: um and four house five houses
0: so like 17 like individual apartments you mean or 17 like apartment apartments, buildings apartments okay apartments yeah. okay so i mean it's a good i mean it's definitely a retireable portfolio right yeah, like, yeah. i mean that's i mean it's pretty good cash flow every month yeah. like you do okay that's good yeah so um do you plan on expanding that over time or is it kind of just like a side i mean whatever
1: I mean, I would if I could. Um, it's hard for me because uh, the formula is not realistic. Uh, I'm not going to come across somebody that's typically going to sell anything that's going to uh, make as much money as I want to make. I'm not like most investors that are willing to buy something that just carries itself. You know. It's, right. um, so it's, it's got to be just right. Yeah, you know, the advantage for me and the, 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 uh, the thing that has helped us uh, stay on top of that is we can buy and then rehab. Um, you know, Mark does that, so he, um, you know, we'll, we'll pick things up and, he, you know, maybe the rents are 650 750 and we'll do work to them and rent them for $1,100.
0: Okay, so just like that value-add opportunity, you can buy it for a little bit less, and then yeah. and then because of his expertise or his desire to to flip them, you can increase the values and increase the rents, and right. they become worth whatever you paid. Yeah. I understand. Um, how about... uh? I guess we could, let's shift gears a little bit again. How about uh, COVID? So another thing that's kind of been a reoccurring thing, obviously it's 2020 and COVID's on everybody's mind. How has, how has COVID affected your guys' business?
1: Again, like 2008, it's almost embarrassing to say, but it has been incredible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All these bad things happen you're like, well, I'm here. You
1: know, it's interesting. You know, left to my own devices, uh, you know, maybe it wouldn't have been, but when uh it started looking like uh, it, uh, you know it was going to be affecting a lot of people and uh that you know people were going to start shutting their doors uh and uh, i made the decision that we were going to stop working out of the office the first thing i thought of is well maybe it's a good time to travel i'll just take off or I'll, i don't know what i was thinking i would do but um, and i have a coach i've had a coach for years and quite the opposite Um, actually the coaching organization, the president of the coaching organization had this webinar that I was on and he was saying, this is an opportunity to take market share. This is the exact opposite of what I'm thinking. I'm thinking (laughs) like, this is an opportunity to get a rest. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, he talked about how, you know, most people are going to bury their head in the sand. Most people are going to walk away, uh, stop working, uh, you know, but it's quite likely that real estate isn't going to stop. So um, my coach challenged me to have um, uh, to set a goal that was greater than um, any uh, 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 single month's goal. And um, I exceeded that in the month of April. Um, I wound up uh, taking more listings than I've ever taken in a single month. Um, And I just basically just followed that trajectory um, throughout the entire COVID season, and uh, we hit our annual goal. I think it was like September first, oh my god, uh, which was a stretch. You know, I mean, our annual goal. We're always pushing ourselves, um, and uh, so it's been interesting. It's been really interesting because it's it's not much inventory, and because I take listings. I mean, that's my role. That's my job. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I I'm taking market. I've got more inventory than most anyone else, <laughs> and. Uh, consequently, it, you know, uh, the inquiries come in and the inquiries are what feed the buyer agents. You know, an inquiry comes in on a, a listing at 123 Main Street and they are like, all right, well, you're thinking about buying. Well, that's under contract because everything went under contract in single day count. <laughs> right. Uh, but what are you looking for? I can help you find something else. And um, so all around, it's, uh, it uh, really stretched us, which was challenging because now you've got a team of eight people that are not working under one roof where we're we're used to the support that we have within the structure of the office right and we're all diverse and uh, back at home and you know with a laptop or an ipad and no printer in my case i'm still working without a printer don't understand why i wouldn't get one (laughs) well there's a printer
0: shortage shortage now right so i I mean now you got an excuse i don't think i I I think best buy's cleaned out i'm glad to hear that (laughs) (laughs) so are you guys still working from home then
1: We're still basically, uh, primarily working from home. Okay. Um, I've got uh, two people that are um, in the office every day. And then the rest of us are in and out. Or um, I have a couple people that have, like, my contract to close coordinator is in the office. At least one day, I think she might be up to two days a week. Um, But she's working from home most of the time as well.
0: So what are some things that you've implemented to kind of overcome that challenge? Like, I mean, because you guys obviously still do team meetings and stuff, or you just Zoom in and, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, just as that, was that a challenge to get through or was it pretty seamless?
1: Um, yes and yes. It was a challenge uh, and it uh, they worked out to be seamless. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, you know, we always had a huddle in the morning. I, I call it a stand-up meeting. So we get together every morning at 845 and uh, we stand around our whiteboard um, which is uh, goal setting and goal tracking it's a giant whiteboard where every day we just talk about you know um, uh, what our focus was the day before and what our results were so um, we've got uh, have fun as a part of our motto there uh, so we, we make fun we, we have a lot of fun with it and uh, we've got different horses that jump hurdles and things like that so um, the hurdles are um, houses under contract or listings taken and um, so we track that well we went virtual and did zoom, um, which is fine. Uh, So each morning, we're on a uh, zoom meeting at 845. And then um, immediately following that we go into role play. I'm a real big advocate that it's uh, important to understand what your conversation is be clear on the delivery of it. And then you can ad lib all the heck you want when you're on the phone. But if you don't know what the important components are of the conversation to have, if there's an objective, you're going to wind up missing out on it. So uh, many of our calls, and we are salespeople. many of our calls are include, you know, who do you know that's considering buying, selling, or investing in real estate? It's just part of it. Yeah, But it usually isn't just as blatant as that. There are other parts of the conversation, either leading up to it, following it, or the delivery of that portion of the message. And that's where role play comes in. We talk about it. We talk about uh, uh, challenges. Uh, we've got a a wheel that we spin, a virtual wheel every morning, what the topic is going to be. And it could be uh, an objection to a buyer signing a buyer brokerage agreement. Uh, How do you handle that? And then we all go around on our Zoom call, just the the sales team stay on for that. The admin team does their own. uh, After our initial uh, morning meeting, we break up into admin team on their Zoom call and the sales on the uh, role play.
0: Okay. Okay. On the role plays that's I, mean, I think that's great I think and I think a lot of sales organizations do that how do you keep track of um, like are you are you keeping track of what is working and what isn't like in those role plays
1: so we have on Friday a mastermind we call it um, but on a daily basis if there's something uh, uh, will allow it's very informal I mean, you know, there's only five of us on that, there's right. five salespeople. We'll uh, talk on that uh, call about the challenges that we are having um, and then role play it. Or uh, somebody will share, you know, hey, you know, I've just uh, you know, knocked it out of the park with this. Or um, this is something I'm having a hard time delivering. So we talk about it as well as actually do it. Uh, we do keep a timer just to keep everybody on track. You know, we're not here to play. We're all business people We want to get to work. Um, and uh you know so we get to practice it but we also can discuss it
0: where did you get these different sales practice strategies like where did you learn like the role-playing thing was that something you took up from your job in new york when you were doing sales there or how did you i mean just reading books or
1: um i think really it was my coach okay Um, Oh, and and the different coaching that i do like I, i i go to a lot of national seminars and um, I attend a lot of webinars that have different coaching strategies, and um, I've heard about it forever. Um, I went through, and actually everybody in my office has gone through, an intensive uh, real estate course called BOLD. It's business objectives, a life by design. So it's business and life. It's a balance of you know, maximizing your time and getting the best results. And it has scripts and dialogues and, um, and practices, uh, spiritual as well as, you know, because we are you know, high Pressure jobs, and it's important that we stay fit, uh, you know, physically fit as well as mentally fit. Um, so, in going through those courses, uh, they encourage you to role play. Um, and I've always, uh, I, so the first time I did that was like 10 years ago. I've been through that course about six times now. And um, uh, I personally keep a role play partner I haven't got one right now as I'm saying this <laughs> I usually have a role play partner I would say 90% of the time for the past 10 years I have somebody that I role play with it's that uh and it's not necessarily in our market um that does the same level of business or greater than me I always hope they're greater than me but somebody has to be you know you always want somebody better than you to teach you but then that person's wanting somebody other than you yeah yeah on the other end of the <laughs> call so <laughs> um uh but you know uh, so that's really where it comes from. And I've always been, you know, I don't know why I ever mentioned this, but it is an important part. Uh, I really, again, focused. For that call, I, I do not allow any fooling around. Basically, if we're going to talk to each other at 8.04 a.m., that's the time that we're going to be there. And I'm going to take it serious. I want you to take it serious. It will be off the call at 8.14. I mean, it literally is. What are you doing? Is there an objection you want to hear? Do it. I'll give you some feedback, and then it's my turn onward. Have a nice day.
0: So you're like really like –
1: It is super structured because if I had somebody on the other end, it's like, so how are you doing today? And if I had to go into all that every day with somebody, I wouldn't make the time for it. (laughs) So I just make it really clear on the front end. I also, when I mentor people or coach people, I'm just like, you've got to do it this way or you're not going to follow through with this. And you know, set however long it is, and it doesn't have to be on the five-minute increment. It literally can be. This is a nine-minute call. You know, whatever it is, just and do it. Just commit to it and do it, and just do it every day.
0: Do you set like timers or something, or did you set the, timers? Okay. Yeah. So you know, like like as soon as that ten-minute timer goes off, you know, hey, it's time yeah. for me to get off. Sorry, I got to go.
1: Yeah. Or if you um, you know if you uh, finish the objection handling uh, before the timer's up, uh, you know, we don't have to set the appointment on the call like. Like, say, for instance, that that's uh, the objection that I'm dealing with on the other end of the conversation, you know, like I want to you called about potentially selling your house and I want to set an appointment to meet with you. That's the objective. Typically, when somebody says I'm considering selling my house, I'll role play that. And then, you know, you get to a point that you're like, all right, uh, you know, well, that all sounds good to me. I don't need to then go in this Tuesday or two going to be all right with you. You yeah. can cut the conversation there.
0: OK. And so. I find this really fascinating because I think that probably one of my toughest struggles, I would say most people I meet toughest struggles is time management. Mm -hmm. So how did you learn to do that? Was that, is that something that you have grown up with? Is that something you learn like along the way or?
1: I am terrible at it, but I am constantly working at it (laughs) every day. (laughs) Seriously. Um, It's funny, it's actually almost a joke between me and uh, my business partner who sits in the office with me that I restructure my time management, organizational calendars and so on on a very regular basis because it's like, okay, now this is going to work because the other one stopped working and color coded, all those things. But um, planning on a daily basis is going to be your best accountability. If you sit down in the morning or when you sit down in the morning and you say, at, you know, from this time to this time, I'm going to spend some time. I mean, even I even have and I don't want to sound like a, you know, I guess I do sound a little bit that way. I mean, I have uh, the meditation time every day. It's like, and I time it. You time it. I time it because I don't want to waste time, but I also want to get the maximum out of it. And I can sit there and my mind can be floating. And I'm thinking like, I've been here for 20 minutes. I need to stop now. And I find out it's only four. Um, or, you know, sometimes it's 11 minutes. Sometimes, you know, ele- and it, it used to be more than that, but I keep cutting it back when it seems like it's too long, and I just like when 11 minutes seems too short, I'll add more to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, it, you know, it allows me to just uh, have the freedom to quiet my mind. Uh, my meditation is not about thinking about what I need to do. It is about not thinking about anything. It's allowing my mind to rest for 11 minutes. Right. Because I go from that into work. And my work is uh, prep. Uh, I I start with prep, and then I start with my morning meetings, those those phone calls, and then I roll into, and my prep is what I'm going to be doing, who I'm going to be talking to in my prospecting. So uh, literally what the conversation is going to be, and I really like to have it uh, 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 consistent. Uh, It's best if I'm looking to generate new business for me to have a consistent conversation with the people on the other end so that I'm practicing it with every person. Right. Right. Um,
0: so do you write out like a, like a script so no to say?
1: I don't write it out I usually like I, I'll role play it but I I, um, I, I want to know, uh, you know what's the objective yep. who I'm calling what's the objective uh, what the, what's the message um, is there something that I'm asking for so when I identify what I'm asking for that is the most important thing that I follow through with that because it's very easy to allow judgment on a phone call I can easily say, eh, they're not on board with this Mm. one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But that's, yeah, I mean, the purpose of it is. And I mean, even down to when somebody's not on board with it, some things that I've learned which work for me is to just out myself. You know, like I don't want to sound like a salesperson. So I'll say, you know, hey, I mean, let's just face it, you know that I'm in real estate and I'm always looking for business. And right now, the inventory is low. So I'm reaching out to the people in my database, and I hope you don't mind. I just really was curious if you knew anybody that's considering selling that I could, uh, should be talking with.
0: And that conversation normally goes? So
1: Yeah, I mean, I just take it from being like, you know, I don't want to be a sales call. Right. But when I catch myself that I didn't quite get successful with the connector, Yeah. I might just out myself and say, you know, hey, this is really, you know, I, I really just, I'm really reaching out to the people that I trust and love and asking if they can help me.
0: That's an interesting like spin on it. So I guess um, I want to go back though. I'm getting on because I don't want to lose this thought because yeah. I've been thinking this the entire time. So in the morning then, how much time do you spend planning for your day? 15 minutes. Okay, so it's just like 15. And so what are you doing? You're like block scheduling the whole day out?
1: Well, I'm checking the, the whole day. So I have my, uh, my day is already block scheduled with certain components on it, but I drag it to the right times. So like every day, I have outbound calls, I have follow up calls, uh, to, I have these different things that I'm doing, and the meetings, and then I just drag, I just drag them accordingly. So like this morning, I had a doctor's appointment. Yeah. Um, you know, so I couldn't do those things uh, at that hour that I was going to be at the doctor. So I had to restructure it, and you know, uh, if if you aren't going to do something. You just have to find another place to put that same thing. If you don't do it at all, you're not going to get the same results. So if you really want to be driven and you really want to, you really want those high level results, if you just take these things that you've committed to and you just move it to another time frame and you still do it, you're going to get those high level results.
0: So it really doesn't matter what time of the day it is. Like, don't get caught up in like, it has to be 10 o'clock every day. Just get caught up in doing it for two and a half hours every day.
1: Except I've learned for myself. Right. That if it's not done in the morning, it's, it's, I mean, especially for prospecting, I can drag that into the afternoon all day long, but I can promise you that other things are going to come up. Uh, it's easiest to put the, uh, the, the servicing and, uh, uh well, especially the, the prospecting and then the servicing in the morning for me.
0: Okay. So it's personal preference on that specific yeah. thing, but, but the same thing about like maybe necessarily specific times don't matter, but the, the block of time matters. Yeah. Like if you're going to do it, do it consistently two hours every day. It doesn't necessarily be a, it need to be at noon or, you know, whatever works for everybody individually. Correct. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I never, I always, because I, I think about like uh, doing uh, block schedules and or not think about it, but I do them, but it, it always seems like uh, things come up and I'm like, well, I don't know how to plan around that, you know, but I guess if you're visiting it every single morning, then that would be an easy way to rearrange your day to fit what you need. That makes sense to me. Yeah. I never heard that before. If
1: you squeeze something in, you just move the next appointment. Like if you treat the appointments with yourself, like you treat an appointment with you, uh, I mean with somebody else, then you'll be fine. So like, yeah, I knew I needed to be here at a certain time. I couldn't not be here at that time. I mean, that's not negotiable. So if I wound up at my doctor's appointment running late, you know, I I had a a gap of time between here. That would have just meant that my lunch is going to be shorter. Yeah. So or I'm going to eat lunch at another time. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like so you just have to move it around. You can't just not do it.
0: Right. Don't get so rigid that you just don't do it. The first
1: thing that that a lot of people do is they they uh, disregard the appointments with themselves. And that's, for me, it's not just uh, especially business. It isn't just for me. It's for my clients. You know, like my prospecting is around getting business for my listings. I call other real estate agents. If I'm not doing that, I mean, this is why you hired me. You're hiring a real estate agent that's going to produce at a high level. Well, I produce at a high level because when I list your house, I'm going to call a bunch of real estate agents and talk it up to them. And if I'm not doing that, then I didn't do my job. And, you know, I mean, who else is going to hold me accountable but myself? But that's that's what has kept me at a high level uh you know uh, producing at a higher level than the normal people i think you know uh, because i have that commitment to myself and my clients
0: I keep, definitely i think that that's a that's a good one like i another one i heard was um i don't know why this is bringing this to mind but i had I i don't know if you know win martin sure so he was on earlier a uh, couple weeks ago and he had mentioned that we were talking about work-life balance and he had mentioned that his his spouse had brought up, "Why don't you make it like if I'm scheduled in at a time like you're supposed to be here at six? Just treat me like a client. Like you wouldn't not show up at six, right? You wouldn't be late right. for." And I guess that makes sense if you go back even more micro for yourself. You know, if you just treat yourself like a client, like you just said as well. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. You, I mean, <laughs> you'd never make an appointment at two and not show up at two, right? Right. Yeah.
1: Well, it is unfortunate and it's sad, but that's often where. <laughs> when you don't fit everything in a day where it, it sort of s- spreads into your personal life and that, uh, that work-life balance. But it, uh, that's important too. I mean, I have that conversation with people on my team, you know, between everybody on my team, I'm talking about that at least once or twice a week. Getting everybody balance. has that challenge, you know, cause we're all pushed to the max and, uh, uh, and it's important, you know, Like, if you're going to stay in the office and work until eight, nine o'clock at night, and you're going to go home and just, you know, eat really bad food and go straight to bed and come back early in the morning, you're not going to be a tip top shape the next morning. And are you producing that next day at a level that would have allowed you to get out at 530 in the evening? Or are you just going to be dragging but your bum around and at eight o'clock at night, you're just getting out again, because after everybody else left, you got your work done.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah. And everybody's—I mean, I've heard this before—but everybody's spouses are just as much on the team as they are, right? So if they go home and now their spouse is upset because they're not spending any time at home, that's going to negatively affect their pr- production on the team, right? Which will negatively affect the whole team. Right, yeah. Right. Um, you had said earlier in the conversation that when you first started, you were doing a, when you did the hundred listings in a year by yourself. Hundred transactions. Hundred transactions. Sorry. Um, that you were getting a little bit of burnout. Mm-hmm. So have you since? So you've. Do, are you still doing 100, over 100 transactions a year by yourself? Uh, just about. Okay. And how have you overcome the burnout? Uh,
1: I have much more leverage. So I have a listing manager. So somebody that's implementing a lot of my marketing work. So I'm not inputting the listings. Uh, uh, they're helping set up appointments. Um, uh, I have more support staff now okay. uh, than I did then. Uh, a whole lot more. I was doing everything then. You know, I mean, I was making all the decisions for the business and the marketing and You know, I was managing a lot of people. Like I mentioned, I have a business partner. She really manages the team. I stay in my lane, and my lane is listing and selling houses. (laughs) That's it. And I've really simplified it now. I just keep getting narrower and narrower and narrower. And now it's the narrowest because, um, you know, I I do want to continue, I want to stay in production. Um, But I'm 62 years old. Uh, I, I want to stay in production at a high level, Yeah, uh, there are some things that have to give. And so she really, uh, she conducts most of the one-on-one meetings with the, the staff, um, and she runs the team, and she's the one that helped me with business-making decisions on marketing, um, hiring, all that sort of stuff. Uh, she does all the initial work, and then I come in and do the final, the, the final couple interviews.
0: Is the partner you have now the one that was originally working? She's been you? with
1: me 13 years. Okay, 13 years. Yeah.
0: So and and we're immediately. Like as soon as she joined, did you guys were you guys business partners from the beginning? Like, since not 13? from
1: the beginning, but she is um, v- really responsible for so much of uh, the the success of my business, and I noticed that early on that she had that ability. She wasn't out to get into real estate; It was not her trajectory. She really never <laughs> saw that. Um, so I just kept enticing her with, uh, money and opportunity and, um, and then, you know, comes a point when she was young, she was a college student when she started working for me, but she had everything that I needed, uh, for a business partner. Uh, and, uh, it came a point in time that it was like, right, well, that stuff is, is a ceiling on that. So partnership. <laughs> Made sense. <laughs> and I say that with, you know, tongue in cheek, but she's earned every bit of it. She absolutely is. Uh, she's the part of the business that, uh that I just am not, you know, I mean, I, I'm a visionary and she's an implementer.
0: Oh, every I'm um, visionary. needs an implementer for real. I've yeah. heard that a million times. Right. Yeah.
1: And, uh, and I'm a visionary. I have all these great ideas and, and she comes up with great ideas and then I parachute in and it's like, so what about this and that? And we just put a little bit of a cherry on top <laughs> or whatever. Cause I really am a visionary. I really like to think things through and I like for them to be done at a high level and done really well. And, um, and she's great at implementing.
0: Um, so a, so something that's unique to real estate is that it seems like, a, or especially unique, is that a lot of these teams are named after one specific person, right? Mm-hmm. And um, something I found interesting is, so what is your plan kind of going forward? So if you're 62, um, I'm guessing retirement's... Somewhere in the horizon, right? I mean, maybe not in the next couple of years, but maybe not down right. the road, right? I'll be in it forever. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so like you're, I'm guessing legacy, you want to leave this behind and Laura's going to keep running it or whatever. However, that works out. Certainly in theory. Yeah. Um, Is it tough having like Don Callahan as like the brand on the, you know.
1: Um, yeah, I think. I, I've gone back and forth with that. So it what it used to be, it, it started the Don Callahan Real Estate Group. It's now Team Callahan. So that that is a little bit different. Okay. Uh, it's been Team Callahan for a while now, just a few years. Um, but one of the things that was brought to my attention that I didn't recognize for a long time, because I thought that it should be like, you know, I, I hope I don't use a, another team's name, but Integrity or you know, uh, yeah. visionary realty, <laughs> um, I wondered if that would be the the, the, the best angle. And um, uh, my coach brought to my attention that most of the time real estate is a one on one relationship. And I am, as they call it in, uh, in, in my world, the rainmaker. So the rainmaker is typically a, an individual that's responsible for the business for a team. So I'm the rainmaker. So it really is under my name and people know that name. And it is uh, typically considered that that is the best angle to be in real estate is to have an individual name as the leader of that team. Now, I already am in a position that the majority of the inquiries that come to my office aren't coming. uh, Well, maybe they are asking for me, but uh, the majority of them aren't working with me because I don't work with buyers. And uh, uh, you know for a long time it was 50/50. I as an individual did 50% of the business and three buyer agents did the other 50%. But we're at a level now that they're doing uh, greater production than I am. And um, uh, so they uh, an inquiry comes in and they may say, you know, hey, I want to talk, talk to Don we considering moving to Savannah. And my response is, well, that's exciting and we're excited to help you. I've got a special buyer specialist that I'm going to connect you with. Uh, Josh will give you a call in the next couple of minutes. Uh, so what's, you know, prompting you to move to Savannah? I might engage in that conversation a little bit and then turn them over to the, the agent that they're going to be working with.
0: Does that usually go pretty flawless or do people ever get like upset that they don't get to talk to like the, Dan, the, the Don Callahan? Rarely.
1: Uh, I mean, even friends of mine, you know, I mean, I've been in the business so long and, uh, 40, uh, uh, I'm just going to say greater than 40% of my business is repeat business. Okay. Past past clients. And, you know, most of those people are repeat with me, and they'll call. And if they're looking to buy, I'm really not the right person for that. (laughs) Right. Because, like, my buyer agents are in pretty much every single house, and I'm not. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at them online because I'm doing market analysis, but they've been in them, and they can tell you that that counter is – Korean, it's not actually courts. Right. whatever. You know, I, <laughs> pictures don't tell. Yeah, the full story.
0: So, and I mean, I guess like the hard conversation would be like, you know, or not really hard, but like I'm not the best for you. Like just being honest with them, right? Like mm-hmm. you're not going to get the best level of service with me because I'm that's not my specialty. I'm the one thing. Right. The one thing.
1: And you know, I mean, that's that's really what people are looking for. When people call Team Callahan, and and even if they've worked with me, they're looking for the level of service that I'm delivering. If I tell you that, that you, Josh, can do a better, if I you know, tell the, the uh, inquiry that Josh is gonna do a better job than I can do, I mean, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for the best service possible and that's you know, what I'm gonna deliver.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Um, what do you do for like, furthering your education as far as, like, is there any books that stand out in your mind or um, podcasts that you listen to regularly?
1: Um, well, we read a book a month. Well, I shouldn't say a month. We go through. We are constantly going through a book as a team. Okay. Um, some of them are um, like right now um, we're reading the Four Agreements. I think this is the third time that we've been through the Four Four Agreements. Have you not read it? No, never. Next gift for you. Okay, the Four, four agreements. agreements. Four Agreements. Very simple, uh, uh, simple book. Uh, you know the one thing, uh, shift. Uh, the shift book is like the real estate bible, basically. Uh, the shift book has the fundamentals of real estate and we go through the shift book probably at least once a year.
0: Okay. So that's uh, regular on here.
1: The shift book came out in 2009 and it was when there was the biggest market shift. And it really, uh, for lack of a better description, dumbs it down. It brings it down. Like here are the fundamentals in real estate, do this and you will do well. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it helps like, you know, one of the conversations I have with every agent on my team on an annual basis is, I, you know, I help uh, them discover. I ask them, you know, what are your three pillars or your, your three legs to your business model? What are the things that you do best that you like doing and you get the best results? You know, everybody's different. And... You know, like, um, uh, Because of the type of people that I have that I hire and I have on my team. It's very often uh, one on one events. So we just dig deep on that. So what does that mean for you? Well, I like to go to gallery openings. I like to go to this I like to go to that. I meet a lot of people I connect with them, they connect me to other people. Great. So what are you going to do to take that to the next level? Well, I'll commit to going to a gallery opening one day a week um or an art event or you know an opening or whatever it might be um it could be uh, open houses uh, a lot of uh, especially buyer agents are really good at uh, open houses they connect with people that are coming in the door that are considering buying a house they might not have an agent and they're really good at making that connection okay well you can only make that connection if you're going to be at an open house right so what's your commitment so i help them uh, understand the fundamentals to their business and that the shift book really brings it down to I mean it literally spells out like these are the different efforts such that you can put in as a real estate agent it's not a whole lot more than that you know you get real estate agents they' like I'm gonna go and I'm gonna put a billboard somewhere and like this, you know, all these big ideas, but this has the the basic ideas and you you could literally go to it and select a few circle or highlight them and, uh, implement them and it will help, uh, have a successful business.
0: Do you feel like in 11 years, um, do you feel like in 11 years there's anything that's expanded or do you think it's still pretty, it's like, it's still just as relevant 11 years ago as it is today? Like, are there things maybe that you can do now that don't fall on those criteria now? You feel like? Well,
1: the obvious is print ed. You know, um, for th- those people that are, that are in print ed, uh, they don't want to hear it, but um, it just doesn't work. You yeah, know, I mean, it's not the, I shouldn't say it doesn't work. Uh, for the amount of money it costs to have your name or business name out temporarily. For a limited audience, you can get so much more exposure that it, uh, you know, that's something that's different and uh, you know, in, in uh, MRE I mean, not MREA, the um, the shift book, they do talk about, you know, uh, having print ad. So they're, they're still, you know.
0: Yeah. I mean, like 11 years it. ago, social media wasn't around like it is now. and that's Not like, at the
1: level that it is now. That's a great yeah. example. Social media, is, uh, you know, I mean, you can hyper focus on social media and you can put a budget on something and you can get in front of a certain number of people for however many dollars you choose to spend. Very, very focused.
0: I imagine, not to get too far off topic, because I'm going to, I will um, okay. I imagine that starting in 98, when there was internet was really not, I mean, it was obviously invented, but really not widely used like it is now. That's got to be dramatic how much t- things have changed from 98 to right now. Sure. That's, I mean, especially in real estate, right? I mean, because in 98, you you said people were going through the MLS and it was in books. Mm -hmm. And now you got like Zillow and has it made it easier? Like, do you feel like having to do all that extra back in the day has made it easier for you now or better? hell no. Oh hell no! Oh no! The word, the opposite. You know, it
1: was, it was, uh, it was very focused. There were like, you know, two real estate publications and the Savannah Morning News. <laughs> Where do you want to put your ad? <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay, I got you. Uh, it was a lot of money, um, and you know that those with the biggest ad got the be- the most <laughs> bang and most, mo- the best results. I mean, I've got this uh, friend who's back in Savannah now. He had moved away for a while. Uh, real estate agent whose name I won't mention, but. Um, Oh, he was up and down in real estate and he'd have one real estate closing and spend every penny he had for a two full paid spread where everything was houses that he sold because he didn't have any listings. (laughs) (laughs) Sold, sold, sold by so-and-so in X amount of days and his phone would ring and he'd just pick up and start all over again and it was just this roller coaster of a ride for him because of his spending habits and uh his management and so on but it was just comical to watch him (laughs) just like oh i've got to get an ad out in the paper because you know you could do it like in social media you can go to social media now and you can drop as much money as you want and get in front of a bunch of people and you're going to get some inquiries
0: yeah yeah um or
1: or, you know google adwords yeah or the google
0: yeah anything i mean
1: conversion ratios are Way down there, but so were they, they, the same thing with the paper, the conversion, but all you needed is a call or two.
0: And it pays for it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Do you listen to very many podcasts? No. No? Not really? Sorry. It's okay. You're a book guy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Um, I want to like, so one of my last questions I always ask, especially for people in real estate uh, that uh, specialize in buying and selling is, so day one agent. Uh, what advice would you have, like, or or even if you were giving yourself advice uh, the first day you started? What you know, what advice would you have for somebody in that position?
1: Mm. Well, I'm actually going to say two things. Okay, because I I really think that the most important thing, especially any new agent can do, is get out and meet people and let them know what they're doing. Um, uh, and then the real estate advice would be have a plan
0: have a plan. like what do you mean set
1: out write down a business plan what am I gonna do and uh, when am I gonna do it so you know a lot of real estate agents they see shiny things as I call it you know like you can go and buy you know you can go to Zillow and spend a thousand dollars a month you can do all these things that have a whole lot of supposed promise but if you actually put a pen to paper and you're intentional about having a plan and uh, it probably is going to include things like I should probably build a landing page on my website so that when people do come to it, I can capture their name and address. So the basics of real estate, if, if you're going to identify what, you know, what it is that you're going to do and have that plan, you'll have the fundamentals. You'll have that platform that you can begin a real estate career instead of just spending money here, there and everywhere else and not being able to really capitalize on it.
0: That seems like a good note to end on. Yeah. Thanks a lot. <laughs> we'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah. All right, man. Love take it. It Thank easy. you. All right, see ya. Hey guys, thank you again for listening this week. I just want to say that I really appreciate all the support, and um, you guys are you guys have been awesome. Please continue to to give me feedback and uh, reach out to me. I can be reached on my email, Josh at moslerperkinsgroup.com M O S E L E R P E R K I N S Group dot com. Um, shoot me an email or shoot me a message on Facebook also share your favorite episode with me Uh, tag me in it if you could post it on your Facebook find it and just let me know I'm I'm really curious uh, what everybody's favorite is and why so thank you guys so much and don't forget to hit that subscribe button and, and comment and like thanks so much